for 40 years. The Bible said for 40 years there was bread from heaven. And it came right where they were. All over the, all over the camp of Israel where you have a few million people. The scripture said it would fall right by their tents and they would come out in the morning and the, on top of the dew would be this manna, bread from heaven. Forty years. And that bread from heaven, it made it to where their feet didn't swell for 40 years. For 40 years, the Bible said, not only did their shoes not wear away, their feet didn't swell. Think about, think about the provision, the spiritual meat of our God. It was everywhere. You think, you think about what it looks like when you wake up and there's frost on the ground. That's how they described it. It was like the hoar frost. That's everywhere. And that's the favor of God, the goodness of God, bread from heaven, the food of angels. Mm. That's, that's an amazing God everywhere. That's what the Bible says. If you, have your, if you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, for a kickoff point here. sure appreciate your desire for God and your worship and your passion for the Lord. And uh, I, I just believe that there is no limitation on people that have a desire for God. That all it requires is for somebody to be hungry for God, for you to experience what, what many other people can never experience because you've got to be hungry. It's the people that seek that find the desire after God. Hebrews chapter 9, Paul, I believe, wrote Hebrews, but... Whoever wrote Hebrews is describing the tabernacle, the first tabernacle that was given to the children of Israel in the book of Exodus. And in verse number 4, he said, which had the, he's talking about the second veil, which is the holiest of all. It had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. The most famous uh, piece of furniture that's ever been made is the Ark of the Covenant. And Paul describes that Ark of the Covenant for us. And uh, this is a a one-of-a-kind description I want to preach about it for a while, so you go ahead and be seated. The Lord, Hebrews, is talking about the old covenant that was done away with in Jesus' death. And at the same time was the, the founding, the making of a new covenant. And He is the surety of it. His death is the guarantee of this new covenant. Nothing else needed. We know for a fact it's a, it's a real thing for us because the death of the Lord is our proof, it's our pledge, it's the sponsor. He is the guarantee for it, the mediator. And so when you, when you read Hebrews, there is a revelation that is being given to People about our God and who He is now, and who He is now is the fulfillment not of one thing, but everything. 
He, he's not just the better priest. He's the better offering. He's the better sacrifice. He's the better tabernacle. He's the better everything. There was one part of how people came to him that he did not fulfill. He's everything. And he fulfilled it all. And, and so that's an amazing thing because you're, you're looking at the old Calvary, the new. And on the other side of the new, there is revelation. The Bible talked about this uh, thing called manna, the bread from heaven. It said that there is in the revelation of Jesus Christ for overcomers, Revelation 2.17, there is the gift of hidden manna. Hidden manna. And when he talked about manna in the New Testament, he said, because they said to him, after he had already multiplied five loaves, two fishes, and fed, he had fed 5,000 people. They said to him about bread, because he said, I'll tell you why you're following me. It's not because of me, but it's because of the, the bread that I multiplied for you. You're not fooling me. You're not after me. You're after my bread. The bread I multiplied. And, and so they challenged him and, and they said, well, it's written that Moses gave our fathers bread in the wilderness. And, and the Lord said, no, Moses didn't give it to you, but rather God gave it to you. It, well, Moses didn't give it, number one. Number two, God gave it to you. And he said, but guess what I am? I'm the true bread. I'm the true bread. If you eat me... You're going to live. He said, if you drink my blood and you eat my flesh, you'll have eternal life. And they're like, say what? But he told them, he said, my words are spirit and life. I'm not talking natural. I'm talking spiritual. My words are not my physical body. My words are not literally my blood and you're drinking it. I'm talking about spiritual things. It's a spiritual experience that you're going to have. You'll partake of me, because the Bible says here in Hebrews that our Lord tasted death. And we get to do something other than taste death. We partake of Him. And the Bible said we taste the good word. We taste the heavenly gift and the powers from the world to come. He tasted death. We taste life. That's what, he's, that's what he's telling these people. I am dying for you. So you get to live. And you're going to partake of me, but it's not, it's not physical. I'm not going to break and multiply bread. But exactly what I did with bread, I'm going to do with my death, my sacrifice on Calvary. I'll be broken, and every one of you will be able to partake of that death. There'll be one loaf broken, and every single individual on planet earth will get to partake of that without having to die themselves. You get to have Calvary without death. You get to partake with me. It's spiritual. It's a spiritual thing. He said, my words, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying drink my blood or eat my flesh. I'm, I'm the offering for you. And you get to partake, not of death, but life. You're going to partake of the good things. You're going to partake of that hidden manna. It's Jesus Christ. It's the real eternal life. He said, you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. He said, you're never going to die. Your, your fathers ate and they died. 
you want. So he's talking about manna in a spiritual realm. And it's, the, it's eternal manna, hidden manna. It's the, it's, it's the substance, the unrevealed parts of our Savior that he grants to overcomers to partake of. And it's hidden manna. There is things beyond what human beings get or church people get or even the apostles get. He's got things for overcomers that he said, I'm going to give you to eat of the hidden manna. The revelation of Jesus Christ is the, it's the revelation of a spiritual body and spiritual provision, spiritual gold, spiritual agates. Everything in heaven is spiritual. It's not natural. There's not one natural thing that you're going to find in heaven. It's all spiritual. It's all eternal. And everything on planet earth is a mirror image of the eternal. So we got gold down here. It's, it's, it mirrors the gold up there. And on and on and on it goes. And, and so here, we're talking about this new covenant. We're talking about what eyes have never seen. We're talking about what ears have never heard. That's what Paul's giving us. And it's an amazing thing because all of us that have been raised in church, been raised around the Bible, the Ark of the Covenant is such a popular topic and subject for us. And when you talk about it, we know it. We, we can just, we can just say, alright, what's in it? We just say, golden pot of manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the, the tables of the covenant. We just know that. We don't know why we know that, we just know that. And so, it's an amazing thing to think about. The reason why we know that is just this one verse right here. This one verse right here tells us about a golden pot of manna. And Aaron's rod that budded. And the tables of covenant. But in particular, what we're looking at here is a revelation that every single individual in Israel was going to get to have. Exodus 16, the Lord's intention for this pot of manna was so that all the generations to come would be able to see what I gave you in the wilderness. Problem is, it eventually gets put underneath a lid. You can't see it. And the other problem is, you can only go there one time a year. And that's what Paul's referencing here in Hebrews chapter number 9. If you'll notice, he says, not the golden altar, but the golden censer. The golden altar is not behind the veil, but the golden censer is how that priest would get through the veil. He would burn incense... And that cloud of incense, Leviticus 16 said, would allow for their supernatural transition from one place to another place through that veil. And that golden censer would be in that one, that one time a year in the holiest of holies. And that's what Paul's referencing. There's no golden altar behind the veil. The golden censer is in the hands of the priest when he goes behind the veil. And this is one time a year. Not everybody, nobody else can do this one man one time a year. But that was not God's intention. You you understand, it was not God's intention for this to be hidden manna. Why don't you turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 16 and... This is where we're introduced to this supernatural bread. Israel's just been taken out of Egyptian bondage. They're only a a week or so out of Egypt. And they're in the wilderness. And they're grumbling for food. They're grumbling for food. They just spoiled Egypt. And they left with all their flocks and all their herds. Matter of fact, Moses said, we're not leaving one hoof 
behind. We're not going to leave one hoof, but we don't got food. We got all these flocks. They're, they're grumbling for no reason. They spoiled Egypt. They've got food, that is for sure, but they're grumbling here. And this is where the Lord promises them He is going to rain down upon them bread from heaven. And, and, and so what we're looking at here is not just bread. It's got a supernatural purpose. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3, calls it spiritual meat. And so it's not natural, it's spiritual, and it's, it's got a great, great, um, it's got a great meaning behind it that Jesus unveiled for us. That we're, we're not just talking about bread on the ground, we're talking about His body. We're talking about God manifested in the flesh, who came down for us and died on our behalf, so that we could live and not have to die, so He could grant us eternal life. It's, it's got a meaning that's greater than just, I'm going to give you food. Because they don't need food. They just don't want to use their herds and their flocks. You, you, you don't leave one hoof behind. You've got all kinds of stuff. And the, the, we don't got no food. You've got food. You've got food. You've got so many animals that you could slaughter if you were really after animals. But here we've got, we've got these spoiled brats that have just come out of Egypt. And, and they're, they're demanding for this miracle. And here comes this miracle. And it's an unbelievable miracle because the Bible said that every single household, no matter how big it was, is going to have enough. And, and so people challenged it. He said, every one of you is going to have an omer. And some people went out there and they gathered more. Some people went out there and gathered less. And when they got into their tent, everybody had an omer. The exact same amount. And so you're talking about something that's very supernatural. And the Bible said in the morning, the dew laid on the ground, and on top of that dew was this manna. Manna means what is it? The Bible told them it was bread from heaven, and they still said, what is it? Isn't that amazing when God tells you, and we're like, but what is it? It's bread from heaven, but what is it? It's an amazing thing. He told you what it is. There's without question, it's bread from heaven. That never changed. They just said, what is it? That, that became the name for it, manna. What is it? It looked like hoarfrost laying on the ground. And they would go and they would gather it and it wouldn't be dirty. They would bring it into their house. And that omer that they received, they had to eat all of it that day. And they could not leave it out outside because it would melt in the sun. But when they brought it into their house, the instruction was, eat it all. And then you get up in the morning, and there it is again. And then he introduces to them an idea that has yet to be introduced to this people called the Sabbath. The, the manna is the revelation for everything that is to come in Israel's history. The beginning here, this people fresh out of bondage are experiencing God, and they're only a week or so out. They just crossed the Red Sea three days ago or so. Here they are in this place, and the Bible calls it the wilderness of sin. doesn't mean sin, but it pretty much works. <laughs> I think we could call it, it's, you nailed it. I, I know it doesn't mean that in the Hebrew, but we'll take the meaning in the English. It is definitely the wilderness of sin, because these are a disobedient people. I'm talking disobedient people. And, and so Moses said, you've got to eat it all, and they didn't. Moses told them, on the sixth day... There's not just going to be an omer, but there's going to be two omers. 
It's going to be provision for two days. Because on the seventh day, called the Sabbath, the revelation coming to these, this people, this day of rest, the first time we've heard about it since Genesis chapter 2, uh, this day of rest, there's not going to be any manna. And so the Bible said they tested that. Sure enough, there was no manna. And so the people who didn't gather two portions on, on the sixth day had nothing to eat on the seventh day. You're talking about people that are learning not to live by bread, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That this is an instruction time, a discipline time for His people. He's training them to obey His word. You do that, you get what I said. If you don't, you don't. God's true to His Word, whether it's the good side or the bad side. Choose life, not death, but He is also death. And so here, uh, here these people are, are experiencing, in a little form, this experience that we've all experienced ourselves, new birth, born again, because somebody died for us. And He sacrificed Himself for every single one of us. Gave himself for us, the gift from heaven. The bread of life. That's what the Bible called him, the bread of life. So you're talking about in the manna experience of the New Testament, spiritual body. Spiritual body. He he wasn't talking about physical. And so you're talking about what's beyond Calvary. Is what he was meaning when he was talking about, I'm the true bread. I'm the true bread. That comes down from heaven. And they said, what do you mean coming down from heaven? Isn't your daddy Joseph? We know who you are. You're still, you're, you came down from heaven? They're, 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 they're questioning his, his words. And, and when he begins to declare these things to these people about, I'm, I am the bread of life, but you eat me and you're going to live. The Bible said many of his disciples left him. And so he comes to the ones he chose. And he said, will you also go away? I want you to think about that because He chose them to follow Him. I thought that would just kind of guarantee you're going to be a follower. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible said they've got a choice to go away too. doesn't matter if you're chosen. It doesn't matter if you've been following. You, you can leave every anytime you want to leave. You can leave. That's kind of a shocker. I thought the twelve disciples were twelve disciples no matter what. But the Lord said, you can also go away and so can every one of us. Every single one of us can choose to walk away from Him. Every single one. We've been called, we've been baptized, we've been blessed. And every one of us at any moment in time can choose to turn and walk away from Him. You'll never walk away from Him if you've got the revelation that Simon Peter had and that is... Where are we going to go? You've got the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else to go but you. You've got the words. He got it. Simon Peter got it. Of eternal life. It's not, it's not a, hey, cut my arm off and eat it. Could you cut my throat and drink it? No. It's, it's, he's talking about spiritual words, the promise of a new covenant, the promise of the Holy Ghost, the promise of the Father, the repentance that never was given before, and the remission of sins that was never given before, and the infilling of His power, all of these things that was never given before. Anyway, so here, you've got this, you've got this, and what amazes me, okay, this is what amazed me today, and that there's a lot that I'm going to say about manna in a very short amount of time, but... What amazed me is that the Lord Himself, in verse number 32, instructed Moses to fill an omer of it to be kept for your generations. 
that they may see. And that's literally beholding with eyes the bread wherewith I fed you in the wilderness. So Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot, put an omer full of manna therein, lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before what does not exist, a testimony. The Ark of the Covenant is called the Ark of the Testimony because the literal tables of testimony were put inside that Ark. The, the Ark of the Covenant is only called that because there's a covenant inside it. The Ark of the Testimony is only called that because there's the testimonies inside of it, the tables of stone. How far away are we from that? A year. Eleven months away at least from this ever coming to fruition. There is no such thing as a revelation about a tabernacle or the Ark of the Covenant or the testimony or anything. You're talking about this is a prophetic moment right here. This is to be laid up for the testimony. What testimony? What are you talking? None of this exists yet. No priesthood. Aaron's not a priest. There, there is no sanctuary. There is no tabernacle. And you know what the good thing is? There's no covenant. And the Bible said that this, this is going to be kept. The same God who could keep it overnight on the sixth day, and it was good to go on the seventh day, is the same God who said if you don't eat it all every other day on the first five days of the week, if you don't eat it all, the Bible said it bred worms and stank. But on the sixth day, it's the opposite. You're commanded to leave it because He gave you the seventh day on the sixth day. So you got two days in one, double portion, and you don't even leave the house on the seventh day, and you don't even cook it on the seventh day, you cook it on the sixth day. And all you do on the seventh day, the day of rest, is eat it. That's it, you just eat it in your tent, no work, there's nothing going on but celebration and rest. And that God said, I'm going to keep a part of this forever. The same God who can make it go bad and keep it overnight is the same God who's making it last forever. And this is something where, where ultimately we're going to have problems with Israel and almost every, uh, almost every major judgment uh, that 1 Corinthians 10 gave us as an example has to do with manna. And, and so there's something that goes on with these people with manna where there's a digression. They start out here with disobedience, what is it? And then they, they move into, we're looking at it, and then they move into, our soul loathes it. And you're talking about spiritual meat. And every time they talk about we loathe this, or I can't stand seeing it, they're talking about Egypt and the food they had as a slave. Like what Brother DeLorenz was talking about, the love of the world. And that's what it is. It's I'm remembering something that didn't even exist. I was a slave in Egypt. You didn't have all this stuff to eat. You were beaten by taskmasters in Egypt. Your women were raped. You had your kids thrown in the river. What are you talking about? There was anything good for you in Egypt. And they've got this mind that starts to play games with their imagination and their hunger. You never had fish in Egypt. You didn't have all this good stuff in Egypt. You got your slaves five minutes ago. And God brought you out. God delivered you. God set you free. All you had to do was walk out. He parted the water for you. And you walked on dry land. 
He showed off in Egypt. He revealed His name and His power in Egypt. Look at another nation, he said. Show me another nation that's got a God that does that. Show me another nation. He said in Deuteronomy chapter 4, where you pray and he hears and answers. There's no other people like this people. There's no other God like our God. There is no other rock like our rock. That's what he's doing. He's revealing his glory to these people. And the greater his goodness, the, the, the more spoiled brat we get to see. And so he starts to kill them whenever they despise this manna, because it's not just manna. This is not just manna, it's spiritual meat, but it's, it's something greater than this. There, there, it, this is a small picture of what's getting ready to come, what we're partaking of in the name of Jesus Christ, in the body of Jesus Christ, in the experience of Jesus Christ. We're overcoming and partaking of hidden manna. He's revealing stuff to us and giving stuff to us and opening up heaven and inviting us in. Hallelujah. The Bible said they grumbled about it and they complained about it. And the Lord said, put this in a pot. Put this in a pot. I don't know what it was about that, but that just got me, that just got me pretty, pretty jacked up. You know what I'm saying? Because he tells Aaron to do this. And Aaron's not a priest. This is way before that. Aaron is just Aaron. That's all he is. He's just another one of the people. That's God's intention, by the way. That's why He said, I want this to be laid up for all generations to see. Because I'm looking for a nation of priests. That's why it's so good you don't got a covenant yet, Israel. Because you don't have to have one. You don't have to sign a covenant that says, we're not going to do this out of love. And we're not going to do this out of, out of the grace and the goodness and the promises of God. We'll do what you say, but we don't want to talk to you. That's what, the, that's what their covenant is on Mount Sinai. It's tell us what to do and we'll do it. We don't love you. We don't want to be with you. We don't want to hear you. And we don't want to see you. We don't want to partake of you. Moses, you go. That's what they choose, but they, that's not yet. This is the whole nation. And God's intention is for this manna to never go under a lid. It's never His intention for there to be nobody that gets to see it. It's going to be covered up forever. Why why in the world would He say lay this up so everybody can see it if that wasn't His intention for everybody to see it? And we know that was His intention because He said, I chose you and carried you out on eagle's wings. And the reason I did that is I'm looking for a royal priesthood. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a nation of priests. It wasn't just meant to be Aaron. It wasn't just meant to be one family. Everybody was supposed to come to that mountain and meet with God and go up with Moses and partake of His glory and goodness. They just didn't want it. They just didn't want it. That's why the Old Covenant, there's nothing good in it. Because it's not based on relationship and love. It's based on works. And works never bring righteousness. And that's what they chose. They've got a mountain that's burning with fire and they don't want it. What in the world? There's a God who's speaking to you out of the midst of the fire. No other nation is ever going to have their God do this and they don't want it. But this is, this is way before Exodus 19 and Exodus 20. This right here is the, the glory of God being revealed. 
This right here is the blessing and the favor of God coming down upon a people. This is the foreshadowing of the body of Jesus Christ. That divine bread that if you partake of Him, you'll live forever. You're going to live forever. If you partake of our God, you'll live forever because there's a spiritual manna. This is representing here. There's a glory you're going to partake of. Praise God. And so you've got the revelations of the Sabbath that are given, the revelation of the testimony that is given. All of this is well before any of this has happened. And, and the Scripture said that there was something about that manna from heaven. That the Bible said it, was, it looked like hoarfrost, and it, it's described as being white. But whenever they got it that first day and disobeyed Moses, the Bible said they did not eat it all, and the Scripture said it bred scarlet. You know, when you get colors like scarlet, it's from a worm. It's a worm that whenever it's dried up, that, that's where they get the, the, the dye for scarlet. Tola in the Hebrew. That's what it, that's what it turned into was it, worms, scarlet worms. The Bible said this is, what, what is that picture right there? It's something that's white as snow becoming scarlet. It's something that looks like hoarfrost. And the Bible said all of a sudden this white is covered with these worms of scarlet. It's literally scarlet. That's the word. The same word for scarlet in the tabernacle. You're going to get it right here. It's from a worm. Purple's from a from a from a shell, a mussel, and so is violet. They're from seashells, and uh, but this here is from worms. It's a dying worm. It dyes things scarlet. The Lord called Himself a worm in Psalm 22, verse number six, when He was talking about Calvary. He described Himself as a worm. I want you to know that that day, whenever they disobeyed Moses, in verse 20 said that that white manna, like coriander seed, looks like hoarfrost on the ground. All of a sudden now it's scarlet. And it stinks. And I'm talking about the picture of the glorious body of Jesus Christ. And the image of it goes from being incorruptible to corruptible. The image of it goes from being white as snow to scarlet. And Moses is angry with them. And the Bible tells us that this moment right here, with that first moment of disobedience, Moses is angry with the people. But guess what? There's no punishment. All there is is in the morning. When you go out in the morning, you're going to eat it all this time. When you go out in the morning, you're going to eat it all this time. And that, that's exactly what happened. They woke up in the morning and they said, you know what, there's something about this It tastes like honey. It tastes sweet like honey is what they said. And the Bible said it was white. It was white. And it was like coriander seed laying on the ground. I'm talking about going from white as snow to scarlet to white as snow. You talk about a, you talk about grace and mercy right there. I've got stink in my house. I've, I've got a literal, I've got the bread from heaven that's just turned scarlet because of my disobedience and because of my, my sin. That's what disobedience is. It's sin. It's transgression. But there's no punishment and there's no death. I want you to know this is the only time that there isn't death. 
when it comes to them in the manner that they despise. This right here is the grace of God. This right here is God revealing Himself without being bound to a covenant. Aren't you thankful that you and I didn't sign up with a covenant with God that said, if I do this, then you'll accept me. No, God said, I accept you already. I already accept you. You started this accepted. And it's not because of what you've done. It's what I've done for you. It's the works I've done that you've got faith in, not your own works. You were bought with a price. All of these things. You're talking about a God. You're talking about a God who was willing to come to this earth. And He was willing to be turned into a scarlet worm on our behalf. The Bible said, He who knew no sin became sin. I'm talking about what happened on Calvary. What happened that day when white as snow turned scarlet. That, that was God manifest in flesh, dying on behalf of His people, scarlet blood running down His body, and He's describing Himself from Psalm chapter 22. They parted my garments. They're selling it here. He's quoting Psalm 22:16 in the book of John. Then He quotes Psalm 22 and 1. My Father, my Father, why have you forsaken me? This is the moment where verse number 6 said He became a worm. I'm nothing more, he said, than a scarlet worm. Aren't you thankful that that's exactly what he did for us? Because my sin was as scarlet. It was right, but it was made wrong. And since our skin was as scarlet, the Bible gave us a promise. Come to me, he said. Even though your skin, your, your sins like scarlet, it's going to be made whiter than snow. It's going to be like wool, white wool. That's what He did for us. He became the rotten manna. He became death. He tasted it for us. Oh, that's nasty. But what He has to swallow is nasty. He never knew what it tasted like to be a sinner. He never knew what it tasted like to be a transgressor. But on our behalf, He became rotten manna. I want you to know that's what Calvary is. It's somebody, a gift from heaven, being made rotten manna so you and I could partake of the heavenly gift so you and I wouldn't have to die. He died on my behalf so I could live with Him. Oh, they don't appreciate it, but there's just something about this moment here when you're getting all these revelations, Sabbath, da-da-da, da-da-da, You're getting eternal revelations. This is going to last forever. And everyone's going to have access to it. That's his desire. Aaron, get a pot. Get a pot. One time in Scripture, that word is used. Never again. Hebrews 9, 4, the only time it's ever used in Scripture. And that's the only time in Scripture we get a revelation of the kind of pot Aaron used. There's no church. He's not a priest. He's nothing yet. He's not chosen, called of God. That's all coming. But you're talking months away. You're talking all kinds of stuff away. Aaron, go gather an omer of this stuff. Not the double portion. Gather the regular portion, the omer. Put it inside of a pot. Can you imagine if you were given that command from, from Moses, the Lord wants you to keep this, what kind of a pot are you going to use? What do I got available for this? I don't know what they were boiling it in. The Bible said they were boiling it in pots. Everybody's got pots for manna. And, and so, you want me to put it in a pot? I got a bunch of those. 
But there's just something about that revelation that Paul gives us about the kind of pot. It was a golden pot. Not a priest. Not called of God yet. No church yet. No tabernacle yet. Just partaking of the eternal manna. The manna that never dies and never goes bad. That manna that's kept forever. And Aaron said, I'm not going to use no ordinary pot. The first golden piece of furniture that's ever for the tabernacle, Aaron gets it. A golden pot. He didn't say put it in a golden pot. He said put it in a pot. Any pot will do, I guess, but not for Aaron. This is too precious. I want somebody to recognize what Aaron's doing here. This is, this is what God was trying to do for the entire nation. He wants them all to be a nation of priests. And He wants them all to be partakers of His goodness and glory. And all of them to have access. Just like Abraham did. And Isaac did. And Jacob did. You don't got to choose separation from God. That's what He's looking for. And they're, you know what? They're going to despise this. They are going to despise this. The Bible said their soul loathes it. And in the King James Version, Numbers 21, verse 4 and 5, they call it light bread. Worthless bread. That's what it means, worthless. Our soul loathes. 20,000 of them die by serpents. Do you remember? That's the last moment that they've got with manna. Twenty-something thousand of them, I believe it was, die of, of serpents. Don't quote me on that, but there's a lot of them that die. Guess what happens? The Bible said that the Lord instructs Moses, make a serpent. Make a serpent. Guess what the Lord said in John three fourteen? He said, just like Moses raised that serpent up in the wilderness, I am going to be lifted up off the earth. They're talking about Calvary. Just the, think about that. The rotten manna. And then the last time that they've got a problem with manna, the, the food from heaven. The Bible said that our God came to the earth not to hit us upside the head, but He came to the earth to be that serpent that was raised up in the wilderness so everybody that was bitten by serpents, if they looked, they would live. There was hope. If I look, I'm going to live. If I turn to Calvary, I'm going to live. If I turn to the cross, I'm going to live. If I turn my life to His death, there is eternal life there. Healing's there. Deliverance is there. He said, I'm that brazen serpent. Both times that there's an answer for manna, He's the answer. And Aaron's got this choice here. Everybody else despises this. They're talking about bread from Egypt and all the junk we used to have and their taste buds are getting tired of this. It tastes like honey. Who would get tired of that? Let me tell you about honey. You can't use it for sacrifice. (laughs) You're not allowed to use it for sacrifice. And then the Bible said it started tasting like fresh oil. Leviticus 5.11 You cannot use oil. For sin offering. So the bread that they're eating is on the other side of the right sacrifice, right? Because you can't use this in sin offering. And you can't use honey in any offerings. You can't use it in any offerings. And so here they're partaking of something that doesn't have to do with sacrifice. And it doesn't have to do with death. It has to do with life. It has to do with promise. i got a land flowing with milk and honey. Every time you're eating honey, you're thinking about the promise of God. That's what 
they're partaking of. It's not damning to them. There's no such thing as a covenant yet. But there is a promise. I'm bringing you up out of Egypt and into a land that flows with milk and honey. And you're tasting it. And you're getting a desire for the promises of God. That's what it's turning your mind to. To the promises and the goodness. Aaron's like, don't give me no ordinary pot. I could care less what other people think about this manna. Aaron says, I need a golden pot. This is precious to me. You talk about manna all you want to. I'm going to talk about a God who became scarlet on my behalf. And if I want to dance, guess what? I could care less what anybody thinks about it because it's precious to me. I got it in a golden pot. Come on, I got it. It is precious to me. You can't take away from the value by how much you disparage it and how much you talk about it. I'm going to pray because my Lamb lives. I'm going to worship because I beheld His glory. I'm going to go ahead and dance around altars. I'm going to go ahead and lift my voice up loud. Oh, I like this Aaron. I like this Aaron. This isn't the golden calf Aaron. This is the Aaron that's just been redeemed with everybody else. This is the Aaron that just walked across dry ground with everybody else. This is the Aaron whose sister grabbed a tambourine and they all begin to dance on the other side of the Red Sea. This is, this is that Aaron. Give me a golden pot. It's not good enough for me to use anything else. Oh, what are you feeling, Aaron? He's feeling what you and me feel. There's nothing more precious to me than my Savior. There's nothing more precious to me than what He gives me. My daily bread. i got to put it in a golden pot. Where else are we going to go? We put you in a golden pot. You've got the words of eternal life. You're valuable to us. We value you. You're worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy. I'm talking a golden pot. We didn't even know it went inside the ark. Paul tells us. Nobody else. There's not one other scripture. Which is crazy because that's the first thing we say. The ark that had the golden pot of manna. The only place we get that is Hebrews. Chapter 9 on the revelation side of the new covenant. That, that's where we get the revelation where eyes begin to see what nobody got to see. Everybody was meant to see it. Nobody gets to see it because God puts it underneath the lid. <laughs> I think I know why you're putting stuff like that in a golden pot. Because guess what he didn't save? He didn't save the rotten manna. He didn't preserve that. We don't even know what happened to that. All the Bible said is the sun melts away manna. I don't, I don't know if they shoveled it out their doors. Or if God just took it away from them. But he didn't put that in the pot. There's no scarlet worms living forever. Because that's what he did for us at Calvary. He made it to where there's no scarlet worms living forever. He didn't preserve my sin. And He did not preserve my iniquity. That's gone somewhere. What He preserved was His promise for us. Salvation for us. Deliverance for us. Redemption for us. 
Oh, I'm so thankful when I go to the Lord. He doesn't have a pot of stinky gray Glover's past. No, no, no. That's why it's a golden pot. Because it's His nature. And it's His presence. And it's His power. And it's His life. And it's His story. Oh, yes. Praise God. And there's no stink in this. There's no smell in this. It's honey and it's fresh oil. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. God. It's honey and it's fresh oil. Fresh oil that comes after the covenant. But honey, this is before the covenant. The Bible said it's white. The words Laban, literally Jacob's father-in-law. It's white and it tastes like honey. And it doesn't even look like anything other than seed. You start thinking about that. You start thinking about everything we get in God is seed. It's just the beginning. It's something planted. It's something that we're receiving. It's something that's going to grow something else. It's something that there's going to be more to this beyond what we can. Somebody planted, somebody watered, and we're waiting on God to bring the increase. And that's what His provision is. It's seed. We're like those farmers. Sorry, I'm spitting everywhere. We're like those farmers. The Bible said what they do is they wait in hope. That's what 1 Corinthians 9 said. Paul said, everybody that plows is plowing in hope. What are they plowing in hope for? They're planting seed. And you've got a golden pot of seeds. That's all it is. Seeds is all it is. When you get experienced the Holy Ghost for the first time, that's only the seed. That's all it is. And that begins to sprout. And it gets greater. And there's more fruit. And there's more revelation. And you get another seed. And it sprouts. And begins to grow more and more and more. And before you know it, your whole life's the Garden of Eden. Before you know it, you're back in paradise. Before you know it, there's a tree of life right there. Before you know You're walking in nothing but glory, glory, fortune, fortune. That's what it means is Gad. Coriander seed is Gad. means fortune. The name Gad means fortune. The Bible said that when they started having problems with it, they said, all we have to look at is this manna. That's all we got to look at. What are you looking at it for? This wasn't given to you to look at. This was given to you to eat. I'll tell you when people start thinking about Egypt. It's when they're they're not full of God's provisions. That's when you start getting hungry for the past. That's when you start hearing voices talking about the fish and the leeks and the onions that are never a part of your history. Show me where they ate any of that. They're slaves. They're barely making it. They're beaten. They're barely making it out of Egypt. And I'm talking about people who are talking about stuff that is just imaginary. And the reason they hunger for it, they're not eating. They're looking. That's always going to be the problem when people start looking at stuff that God wants you to eat. You're not looking that He's gracious. You're tasting that the Lord is gracious. You don't look and see He's good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't look. Partake of it. 
if you're partaking of it, you'd never want Egypt. You'd never be hungry for the things of your past. I like it when the Bible gets real. You know what the Bible says about the past? It says it's like a dog returning to his vomit. You start licking up vomit. I'm not too hungry for vomit. Amen, but it's amazing when I quit eating, how I start looking and I start despising. The Bible said it looks like bedellium, which is which is either a. It's, people don't know what it is. Actually, it's either it's either a mineral, a stone, or it's a spice. But the Bible said it's gotten precious. Bedellium. That's what it looks like. But that's after the covenant. I'm talking about honey. I'm talking about white as snow. I'm talking about somebody who's putting in gold because it's valuable. I'm talking about somebody who's connecting with the Holy Ghost, who's connecting with heaven and recognizes what he's looking at. There's no orders. There's no God saying it's got to be gold or it's got to be scarlet or it's got to be such and such. No, Aaron's doing this by his own will. Oh, this is the Aaron that God always wanted. Every one of us is called to be an Aaron. And there's something so awesome about an apostolic church who's got the things that God has blessed you with in gold. It's valuable to me. Oh, it's valuable to me. I'm going to surround this in the greatest vessel I can find. I don't know if he made it or if he brought one out of Egypt. I don't know, but he's got a golden pot. (laughs) Oh, I like that. Don't make it brass, don't make it wood, don't make it nothing. Golden. The first piece of furniture is not the ark, it's this right here. The golden pot of manna. And that manna never stinks in that manna. And that's the Holy Ghost for you and I. We need people to cover it with gold. Oh, surround your miracles with gold. This world wants to despise it. This world wants to look down on your worship. This world wants to say, I'm sick of looking at this. This world losing their taste for anything that has to do with God. And they're telling you about it. And they're murmuring about it. And there's something about somebody like Aaron who says, I don't hear anything but the glory and the goodness of God summoning me every morning I wake up. There's something else on the ground. Every day I get up. I'm not going hungry. God's giving me bread from heaven. I'm partaking of the glory of God manifested on planet earth. I'm experiencing every bit of the New Testament I can. Praise God. Oh, it gets me excited when I'm hearing people all around like Brother D. Lorenz getting jacked up about God. I'm telling you something, man. There's just nothing like, nothing like surrounding the things God's given you with gold. Put it in gold. I'll tell you what, it's valuable to me, and it's precious to me, and I'm not just going to put it in any old thing. I'm putting it in gold. Praise God. Amen. Some, some, some people need to get their, their dances and their, what they used to do and what they used to be, and they need to put it back in gold. Amen. Because you can allow for people, and it's a mixed multitude. Which means that there are people that were not Israelites that came with them out of Egypt. Other nations were in bondage. And they came out with them. And the mixed multitude starts saying, forget about this manna. Oh yeah, forget about this manna. I want you to understand, and I'm done with this, that Israel never had to make a covenant. They already had one. 
The reason they're coming out of Egypt. Genesis 15 said, they're coming out in 400 years. He said, I promise you, they're returning to this place. I'm going to judge the nation that they're in. Ten plague. Boom, boom, boom. Judge. And afterward, they're going to return to this place. Oh yeah, yeah, they've never been to this place. They're returning to this place. Because they're the people God made a covenant with. And He gave them the land that day by covenant, Genesis 15, 18. Do you need another covenant? You don't need another covenant. Then God gave Abraham circumcision. Right there, that's all you need. That is all you need. You can circumcise any male. Whether they're a foreigner or whether they're an Israelite. Whether they're free or whether they're a slave. And if you do that, you're connecting them all to God's covenant. Oh, what, what a blessing that is. Do you need anything else? What, what did the fathers need? Nothing. God came to dinner to Abraham's house. I'm talking about people that enjoyed the presence of God. I'm talking about Jacob who wrestled all night long with God himself. I mean, could you get more intimate? Do you need a covenant more than the covenant God already gave to Abraham? Blessing, I'll bless you, multiply, I'm going to multiply your seed like the stars and like the sand, and your seed will possess the gate of their enemy. You don't need another covenant. The reason they made a covenant, they didn't want God. They never wanted God. You go. Can you imagine the glory of God in a thick darkness? And he's calling everybody. He comes down to his people and the whole mountain smoking. The same God who came into Egypt and delivered them out. The angel, the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud. That same God is manifesting himself to everybody. And they say, we don't want him. That's, that's why I like this moment because for a little while there they wanted him. For a little while there, Aaron wanted him. For a little while there, had nothing at all to do with bulls that are made of gold. Had nothing at all to do with the priesthood that you're called to and didn't choose. It had to do with everything. You're choosing what to put it in. Oh, that, no, I need something gold. I need something gold. Seven days out of bondage. Seven days away, or eight days, or a week away, or two weeks away, whatever it is. Not very long, a month away. I don't care what it is. You're still a slave in your head. But not Aaron. Aaron's thinking about royalty. He's thinking about golden vessels. Oh, yeah, I'm thinking about where's a golden vessel? I can, it's just manna. No, it's not just manna. This is not just manna. God said it's bread from heaven. God said it's going to be my glory revealed. You read about it? Aaron said, I want it, and I want to, I want God to know what I think about it. It's precious to me. I don't know if that's why God called Aaron to be the priest. I don't know if that's what it was, but there was something right with him right there that I like to look back at. And Paul points out it was a pot of gold. And that was a prophetic pot because it guaranteed there's a car, an ark of the covenants coming. A testament is coming. That there is going to be children, generations are coming. There's something else that people are going to behold and see. It just so happens that's you and me. 
God's revealing that hidden manna. All of those provisions where we are tasting God is good. Where we're tasting the graciousness of our God. Where we're partaking of more and more and more of His glory. Stuff He's only hidden for His people. Put it in gold. Praise God. I just think, you know, one of the things, and I'm, I'm really, you know, I kind of see something happening with the, my generation. I'm 48 years old, so my, my age. Is, is there some, there's some preachers that are just, they're starting to take stuff and put it in gold. They're starting to say, hey, so why don't we just dance all night long anymore? Did God say stop dancing? So, so why did we quit shouting with a loud voice? Did God say stop? The most shocking thing in heaven, 30 minutes of silence. That's the most shocking thing you're going to get in heaven. Because that's definitely not heaven. It's not about silence. It's about people falling down, throwing down crowns, incense going everywhere, bowls and pots and worthy of the Lamb and angels and binding and loosing and dominion and earthquakes and lightning and flames of fire and seven. It's radical up there in heaven. And there's a generation of people saying we need to get that and put it back in gold. We need people to recognize it does something for your family when you're the dad who dances. It does something for your family when you're the one that steps out there and says we still run aisles and we still worship our God and we still call on His mighty name and all of it matters. We still talk in tongues. Oh, we're putting it back in gold. You're sick. We'll pray for you. We've got to have healing. We've got to have miracle. All that stuff. Every Everything God's given stand. Put it back in gold. You mean to tell me that I'm going to lose the value of a God who became scarlet worms? Rotten manna? So I could have honey? <laughs> no, no, no. No way in the world. Don't tell me how to respond to God. Since you didn't die for me. That's what you start saying. So did you, you bought me? You didn't? Okay. And Paul said, and you're not your own. Therefore glorify God. What? In your body. Well, how in the world are you going to do that? You become one with the Spirit, the Bible said. You know what he compared it to? It was a man and a woman becoming one flesh. Is that radical? That's a pretty intimate picture. He said, quit becoming one with harlots. Since you're the body of Christ and you're not your own. But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. And he wants that kind of an intimacy. <laughs> Why? Because he said, when I, when I saw my beautiful bride... You know, I'm getting ready to go up to Alaska on the 11th to celebrate my parents' 50th anniversary. And I was looking at that, and the, in the stats, and the stats say that it's going to be less than 6% of all marriages that make it to 50 years. And so, I mean, a lot of it's probably to do with death and such, but that's a rare thing. 50 years. 
And the Lord, the Bible said, he looked down on his bride. And he said, I'm going to make her glorious. She's spotless without ring. The Bible tells us that. That he came for a bride. He's jealous over you. And the scripture said what he did is he gave his life for us. So he could wash us and sanctify us. No, you, you, don't kinda, you don't put that kind of manna in brass or wood or a bucket from Home Depot. No, you've you got to start saying, I need some gold. Because there's nothing more valuable to me right now than this omer of manna that never dies and it never ends and it never gets rotten and God keeps it and preserves it. I, gotta, I got something going on here. It's a romance with redemption. I'm getting tangled up with the Spirit and I'm starting to not care what I look like. You're becoming one with God. You're not caring about a crowd. It's not about anybody but you and Him. And you're being, you're wrapped me in your arms and you're being intertwined and, and you're getting into the, the place where there's a oneness. There's an intimacy. There's a holiness there. There's a preciousness there. There's a value there where you're valued and you value Him. And that's all you're really caring about is His glory and His majesty. And you're starting to say, I'm, where's the, where's the gold pot? Anything else made of gold that God accepted was by His pattern. Not this. Oh, I like this, Aaron. I like this, Aaron. Get out there and get a, a day's worth. Put it in a pot and set it before the Lord. You've got a prophetic action where He's doing this because there's no Ark of the Covenant for a long time. You've got a year. In a year, they set up the church. So, so we're a ways away from that. There's this prophetic stuff going on that makes sense to nobody. And it doesn't even make sense to Aaron, but it will. There will be a testament. Two tables of stone. There will be a, a box to hold it. The Ark of the Covenant. Not yet. And you and I are in that place where it's not yet. We're loving somebody. Have you seen him? Simon Peter said no. You're loving whom you've not seen. Don't, don't people call that crazy? We've got people in our church that were given a choice by, by people in their life. It's either me or it's the Holy Ghost. And they said, the Holy Ghost. Was it an easy road? It wasn't an easy road, no. That's a struggle. But can you imagine somebody putting more gold around their experience than, okay, if you're going to divorce me over the Holy Ghost, so be it. You can take this whole world. You can take all this stuff. But when it comes to what I'm going to put the glory of God in, give me a golden pot. <laughs> Why? Because there's nothing more valuable than this. Oh! Something's coming. It sees what it is, right? The Sabbath to where we are now, Hebrews 4, we've entered into His rest. It's a great picture of the eternal rest with God. The priesthood, the, all of it, the mercy seat that He became, all of it. It's testimony of Jesus Christ. Testimony of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's coming. This is just seeds. They'll be sown, and when it comes up out of the ground, it won't be abiding alone. 
The Lord said, I'm like that grain that you chuck in the ground. And when I come up out of that ground, the first fruits of the resurrection. Oh, I'm coming out the first of many. Can you imagine something more precious? No girlfriend, no boyfriend, no man, no woman, no job, no, no opinion. Opinion? You don't want it, I want it. <laughs> oh yeah, you don't want it, I want it. I, I want it so much like that towards that oneness. Don't, don't get uncomfortable with that picture. Paul's the one that said it's like a man and a woman when they become one flesh. You're not, you're not necessarily going to be holding back. You're not necessarily caring about anything. You're not necessarily... There's nothing where you're like, well, this is kind of radical. No. No, there's, there's, such, there's such a connection with God that the most valuable thing to you is that oneness with Him. What am I going to put it in? I better start putting stuff like that in gold. Because if my kids don't know how to run the aisles, and my kids don't know what dancing's for, if my kids don't value worship, I failed. If my, if my kids are going to bring the wrong kind of gold into the church and get killed, like Aaron's kids did. Oh, there's just something what you're doing right here, Aaron. I'm looking for this for everybody to see. Oh man, I'm, I'm, none of this was meant to be put under a lid. You never had to choose law. At any point in time, Moses chooses grace. David chooses grace. You never have to choose law. You can get to God just like your Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did. Face to face. Oh, somebody, take this experience. I want, you, I want you to start thinking about everything that you've experienced with God. And it's all prophetic. It's the spirit of prophecy. When, when you're talking about the, the, the testimony in your life, it's seeds is what it is. It's prophecy of more. There's always going to be deeper, greater more. And one day, it's going to be full. One day. Hey, one day, guess what it's always going to be? It's not going to be anything but worship. I don't got time for worship. It's all glory, holy, holy, holy. Interrupt our program. We'll fall on our face again. You read about it. There's no schedule up there. 24, but they got, but all of a sudden they fall on their faces and chuck their crowns. They pick their crowns up again so they can throw them back down. Craziness going on up there, but it's, it's gold, 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 gold. That whole place, the Bible said you're standing on gold because that's what he thinks about you. What he did was he put his people in gold. The Bible said that whole city paved with gold. That's what He put us in. He put us in an eternal dwelling place. Because we're valuable. And there's something about on planet earth when people say, you know something? I'm not going to just use any pot off the stove. I, we're, I'm gonna, if I have to manufacture golden pot or whatever, I'm, just gonna, I'm getting the most valuable thing I can get. Oh, our kids need it. <laughs> 
Oh, I'm so thankful that there's preachers that are going after it again. We're, we're, we're apostolic according to the Bible. That, that, that means shaking houses. That means earthquakes all of a sudden because of praise and prayer. That's radical! That's apostolic. That's just seed form. That's all it is. But there's greater, greater, greater. And we're a part of that. We need to start putting it in gold. There's nothing more valuable than God. There's nothing. Could you lift up your hands in this room? Oh, there's nothing more precious than the life He's given me that I'm partaking of. Oh. Maybe you come to the altar. Maybe you, maybe you stand where you are. I don't know. But, but you need to start putting this kind of stuff. You need to start putting your testimony. You need to start putting the salvation and the redemption and the healing and the miracles and the justification, the power of God and the holiness and the, the words of God and the scripture and all of His glory. I'm putting it in gold. Oh, if you give me a choice of what pot, it's a golden pot. It's the best I've got because it's the most valuable thing there is. Oh. Oh. The glory of God. Is there something? Is there a job better? A friend is better? Not a chance. Not a chance. We're loving our lives? Not at all. Unto death, we gave up ourselves so we could get Him. That's my value right there. Don't give me the world. I don't want Egypt. i got a taste for the promises of God. I want honey. I want more honey. It's sweetness. It's goodness. What kind of a God doesn't punish you? He forgives you. What kind of a God did us no wrong, but He came down and made us right? He brought us to heaven. What kind of a God cares enough about your family on the street that you live that everybody else on that street might not have gotten what you've gotten, but you've got it? What kind of value do you have on that? Oh, go down the years of your experience with God. How many times has God answered prayers? Ah! How many things have you received? How much benefits? There's so much. There's so much. We, we need to put it back in gold today. We need to revalue the things that are actually valuable. We need to revalue the things that are eternal, that don't rust and are not corrupted and are untouchable. The things that can't be taken away. We need to start put the value back on. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Oh, that's a revelation you need. John said there's nobody worthy on the earth. There's nobody worthy underneath the earth. There was nobody worthy in the heaven. The only one worthy, the Lamb. The Lamb. Behold, the Lamb. Worthy! Shatobaramata. Oh, yes. Oh, you're worthy. You're worthy. I just look and live. I just look and live. Thank you, Lord God, for Calvary. Thank you for the becoming scarlet so we can be made white as snow. Oh! We've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. 
We've been washed in the death of Jesus. <laughs> I wasn't there. I didn't see it, but I believe it. I didn't see it 2,000 plus years ago, but I believe it. It's His Word. It's spiritual bread. It's spiritual blood. It's spiritual. It's words that we grab a hold of and believe and receive. Rita Masarandos. Oh, yes, it's so valuable. <laughs> I believe there's getting ready to be a massive revival in North America because people are getting back to being radical. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You're all. You're all I want. I've got a hunger for you, God. I've got a hunger for you, God.